Thanks for joining us for the Connect Podcast. I'm Cole Phillips, the lead pastor of the Connection Church, and every week we're going to look into the Bible to find out how God's Word connects to our everyday lives. It's going to be life-changing. The Connect Podcast is produced every week for your growth and inspiration. You can find all the show notes at makingtheconnection.org. You can also find the podcast on your favorite podcasting service. Follow me on Twitter at Cole Phillips and on Facebook and Instagram. You'll find all the links in the show notes. Now, let's get into the study. I want to welcome you today. I'm so glad that you're joining me. We're going to have a great time together. I have a lot to share with you as, uh, as we get into it. Today, we're going to be looking into uh, to our study in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, continuing on that. You know, in 1 Corinthians 13, this is known as the love chapter, and it's also one of the most loved chapters in the Bible. And many times we hear this uh, 1 Corinthians 13 read at weddings, but also, you know, we got to understand that if you look at the context, 1 Corinthians 13 is in between Paul in 12 and 14 talking about spiritual gifts, and he's talking about the church, right? So this applies to our relationships with each other, the way we should act with each other, the way we should treat each other. It's all about loving one another. There was a group of kids that were asked the question, what does love mean? And here are some of their answers. Uh, Rebecca, who was eight years old, said, when my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So my grandfather does it for her all the time, even when his hands got arthritis too. That's love, right? That is truly love, all right? Uh, Billy, who was four years old, said, when someone loves you, the way they say your name is different. You just know that your name is safe in their mouth. Bobby, who was seven years old, says, love is what's in the room at Christmas. If you stop opening presents and just listen. Nika, uh, who is six, says, if you want to learn to love better, you should start with someone you hate. If you want to learn to love better, you should start with someone you hate. That's, that's some uh, wisdom out of the mouth of babes, right? Uh, Tommy, who's six, says, Love is like a little old woman and a little old man who are still friends even after they know each other so well. And uh, Cindy, who is eight, says, During my piano recital, I was on a stage and I was scared. I looked at all the people watching me, and I saw my daddy waving and smiling. He was the only one doing that, and I wasn't scared anymore. Wow. Um, Jessica, who is eight, said, you really shouldn't say I love you unless you mean it. But if you mean it, you should say it a lot. I love that. I love that. We throw around the word love all the time for all sorts of things. And uh, we shouldn't say it unless we mean it. But if we mean it, we should say it a lot. So how would you define love? How would you describe love? Um, Love, in this passage in 1 Corinthians 13, is the word agape. And the meaning of the word agape 
is uh, really best understood by understanding what it is not. And, uh, you know, we use the word love for lots of different feelings and actions and uh, emotions, but the Greek language had a different word to describe different kinds of love. There were four different words um, for for love. You know, there's the eros love, which is uh, where we get the word erotic. It's from this uh, physical love. It's kind of a an inner passion. And uh, sometimes our passions are focused on good things, but many times they're focused on uh, things that we shouldn't be as passionate about, right? And to, it's not good to just follow our passions. Um, there's also affectionate love. This is called uh, storge, is the Greek word. And that's the kind of love, it's like a familial love between a parent and a child. Um, there is also uh, a love that's known as phileo, which is uh, not phileo fish, but but like the word, the city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. So it's the kind of love that a brother would have for a brother or a friend would have for a good friend. And this is a love. These are all good kinds of love, but there is a selfish and selfless and sacrificial kind of love that is agape. And agape love is unconditional love that loves a person even if they don't fully deserve to be loved. It's a, it's a love that loves someone who is not worthy. And so that's the kind of love that God has uh, for us. It's the, the love that, that Jesus demonstrated for us on the cross. It's uh, a love for the ungodly. And, um, and Romans 5, 6 says, uh, yet when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Right, Romans five eight, um, and so it's the love of God for uh, our enemies, even. And really, we don't have the strength to have that kind of love on our own. That's the kind of love that comes from God. Uh, so, so uh, Jesus says it's the greatest kind of love. He says the great in the great commandments. He said we we should love God. Uh, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we should love uh, each other, love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And then uh, in this passage in 1 Corinthians 13, you know, um, we find out that this is the greatest gift, the greatest thing that you could ever have is this kind of agape love. And so first, as we get into this passage, we uh, Paul talks about the priority of love. He says, this is more important than any other spiritual gift, any other spiritual practice that you may have, any other spiritual thing that you might have. Let's look in um, verse 1 in 1 Corinthians 13. It says, what if I could speak all languages of humans and of angels? I met somebody the other day who uh, who came up for our angel tree party, and, uh, and he said he could speak... Um, I believe it was it was four or five languages, and I was blown away. You know, I was like, "Wow, that's incredible!" I can barely speak one language. I can barely speak English, and yet he can speak five languages. Um, and so he says, "What if I could speak all of those languages, even spiritual language? If I didn't love others, I would be nothing more than a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal." Okay, so if we look at that, you know, they would use these gongs, these symbols, noisy symbols in their pagan worship to false gods. 
And it, they made a lot of noise, but at the end of the day, it was empty. It was just, just noise. What if I could prophesy in verse 2 and understand all secrets and all knowledge? What if I had faith that moved mountains? If I had the gift of prophecy, if I had the gift of faith, I would be nothing unless I loved others. What if I gave away all that I owned and let myself be burned alive? I would gain nothing unless I loved others. So even spiritual gifts, unless the motivation for using these gifts is motivated by love, it really is worthless. Um, Many times, you know, we might use a spiritual gift for a wrong purpose. It might be a good gift, but we use it to build ourselves up. And uh, there's no benefit in that. In fact, it's worse than nothing. Many times using those gifts for selfish motives, they do more damage than they do good. They do more damage for the kingdom. And, And he even goes so far as to talk about sacrifice. Like, if I gave away everything, some people give, but they give out of a selfish motive. You know, we've got our Connection Christmas offering coming up. Well, why should we give? Some people give because it's an obligation. You know, I've got to do it. Some people give, but they give with a bad attitude um, because you're not forced to give, right? Uh, But you might feel, I've got to do this. Or giving with, uh, you know, you might give to people who are in need, but give feeling like you're somehow better than them because you have and they don't. Um, And so, you know, there's different ways that we can give. We say um, God loves a cheerful giver, but he also receives from, you know, somebody who is a stingy uh, person. But, uh, you know, the fact is we want to give. It doesn't count unless we're giving with a good attitude. And what was happening in the early church, remember this, he says, what if I gave away all that I owned? I even sacrificed my own life, okay? Can you imagine sacrificing your own life? And and yet he says, and some believers at that time were being literally burned. They were being killed uh, for their faith. But he says, if you are a martyr, you die as a martyr, but you, you don't do it out of love for God— and for people, then um, it's worthless, you know, if you do it for selfish reasons. So um, we, he comes down to our motivation, like what is the motive for what we're doing? And many times, you know, if you look at what passes for love today, it's just a cheap imitation. It's just a cheap imitation. So, you know, why, why is this, why is love so important? Well, if we don't put the love of God at the top priority in our life, then we're going to put something else there, something else that doesn't matter as much, something else that doesn't have lasting value. And I've seen many people over the years that they sacrifice a lot, they give a lot to something that doesn't really matter much in the end. It's not something that really lasts. And so I say many people give a first-class allegiance to second-class priorities. You know, what matters most? And where does this love come from? Where does this love come from? Well, we don't have enough love on our own, so we've got to get this love from outside of ourselves, and it comes from God. God pours out His love on us. What do we do about this? Well, we've got to refocus our priorities and make sure that we set love as our highest standard, even higher than um, 
than how talented we are, how smart we are, um, or anything else that we do. Make sure that we excel at being loving. That is what matters the most, truly loving God and loving the people around us. And then Paul goes on in verse four, he starts to talk about the character of love. And we see these 14 characteristics of love that are focused on love between uh, brothers and sisters in Christ primarily, but really for others, you know, others around us. And so love is not um, a, a noun you know, love is a verb. Love is an action. It's it's putting it into practice. You can say it all day long, but unless you do something about it, it doesn't matter. Love isn't a feeling that we have. You know, it's not a mushy, ooey-gooey feeling. Um, it, it's not a philosophy, though there are philosophies about love, and love influences our philosophy. Love isn't a physical desire that we have, okay, though it can produce physical desires. But, uh, you know, sometimes when we think about about sacrifice, let's say, for instance, you know, we like to think of making this heroic sacrifice, this big gesture, you know, at just the right time, like my marriage is falling apart. And so I'm going to be the one to make this big sacrifice to save my marriage. Right. But instead, love is not a big thing. It is a small daily action. It's a small daily sacrifice that we make, not just the things that we do in a crisis situation, but what we do in those small day-to-day opportunities and those small moments. You might think of it like this. It's not um, it's not having the big surgery to save your life, but it's the small uh, d- daily disciplines you do to preserve your health. Um, and the way I like to picture it is many times when we say we, we make this commitment maybe to a person or to God, we want to do it in one big lump sum, pay, lump sum payment. Like we want to just give it all at once, but it's not that way. Instead, it's like giving a, a quarter, you know, one little small uh, coin. You give that quarter at each and every day or each and every hour that you're giving a portion of it moment by moment. Um, So verse four, let's read here. It says, Paul says, love is kind and patient, never jealous, boastful, proud, or rude. Love isn't selfish or quick-tempered. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs that others do. Love rejoices in the truth, but not in evil. Love is always supportive, loyal, hopeful, and trusting. So let's look at these actions here that he he says that describe love, the characteristic of love. First, he says, love is patient. So we've got to be patient. Okay. Uh, I know some people yesterday, as I was asking, how can I pray for you today? They said, just, I need patience with the people I work with. You know, Ephesians 4, 2 says, always be humble and gentle, patiently put up with each other and love each other. So how do we manifest this? How do we practice this? Well, let's say two people are getting ready. You're getting ready at home to uh, to go somewhere, and you happen to get ready first, and they're still, you know, getting ready. So love doesn't go out to the car, start honking the horn, drive around the block a couple of times, you know, honk, honk. <laughs> you may instead you patiently wait. You patiently even maybe help. 
someone else. Uh, love in a conversation is patient. That means that I'm not just uh, somebody's talking and I'm going to finish their sentences for them and, uh, and because I'm not patient enough to truly listen to them. Okay, just these practical ways. He says, love is, uh, is kind. So I'm going to be kind, right? And kindness is simply doing those small things consistently, meeting needs in a practical way, anticipating needs and trying to meet them. And we do this, we're kind when we're, you know, taking out the trash, when we're uh, doing the dishes, all of those little small acts of service, uh, like uh, changing baby diapers and uh, staying up at night with a sick kid. Those are acts of love for your kids or, you know, visiting the sick or uh, those kinds of just uh, kind actions. He also says, be humble, be humble. Um, and so humility comes from laying down our pride. And really, we can be humble when we feel secure in who we are. We Our pride doesn't bubble up to the surface. We're not trying to prove ourselves because we have security in who we are. And in a loving relationship, we're going to help somebody else know that they are secure in that relationship as well. That means we're not going to create insecurity in them. Okay, we're not going to do the things that uh, cause them to uh, doubt the security of the relationship or their own security. Um, also, love is unselfish. I mean, he says this: uh, love is uh, isn't selfish. Okay. Uh, so, so love is unselfish is another way to say that. And I'm, sometimes I'm so focused on myself that I don't even see how selfish I'm being. Uh, in fact, my selfishness keeps me from seeing that I'm being selfish. You know, it's kind of a catch 22 there, but I'm selfish when I'm rude, when I'm so rushed that I don't notice the people around me. Um, sometimes when I fly off the handle because I get angry just at the drop of a hat, you know, that is being selfish. That's because I'm just thinking about myself and I'm being quick tempered. Um, many times we act this way when we're tired, you know, when we, we don't get enough sleep. And so we kind of use that as an excuse and we're not able to have that patience with other people. And we're just kind of thinking about ourselves, right? He says, love keeps no record of wrongs. Um, and we do that sometimes we'll keep a record of wrongs. Um, and then he, he, he says, um, that, you know, love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. So, so what should we do? Well, we should keep a record of praises. We should keep a record of the good things. It's really easy. It's always a go-to for us to, uh, remember the bad, you know? We remember the bad, and we're kind of drawn to the to the bad. We we enjoy the bad. I don't know if you've ever gone onto YouTube or watched even America's Funniest Fails or any of those, but we watch people fail and we laugh about it. And I'm not saying it's not funny, um, but you know when we are rejoicing at somebody else's fall, um, you know, just to make ourselves feel better, that is not acting. In love. Instead, we need to give lots of grace to people. Um, we need to uh, be giving. You know, when I'm 
uh, one of the ways to break the grip of selfishness and great, break the grip of greed in my life is to be generous. And I'm not just talking about being generous with my money, but being generous with my time, being generous with my attention, and, and all of these different ways that we can give grace to others. And so he, he talks also, he says, uh, love rejoices in the truth, but not in evil. Right. And so uh, we need to look for the truth that we're going to rejoice in. Right. And then verse seven, he says, love is always supportive, loyal, hopeful and trusting. That, that's I love the word. I think the focus word here is the word always, always. You know, there's not many, many times you can use that that word always. But when it comes to love, love is consistent and is always supportive, always loyal, always hopeful, and always trusting. Now, I know some of you, you're going to push back a little bit, and it's it's okay to you know ask questions, but um, we think, well, is that being codependent with someone when I'm always supportive and loyal despite their problems, right? Despite their 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 flaws or or whatever it is they're dealing with. Maybe I'm being too naive to just always be trusting. And and there's a difference between love and being codependent, okay? You're not trying to do it for them. Let's say somebody has um, an alcohol addiction, and you 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 can always hope that they're able to overcome because we know God can do anything, and He can change lives. And so we can hope for them. We can believe the best in them and believe that they can change, but we can't make them change. And we can't do something to carry that for them so that they will change. They've got to make that decision, you know? Um, and so we can keep trusting even when they make wrong decisions. You you have no control over someone else, but you can keep hoping for them. You can keep believing for them. But uh, that doesn't mean going along with what they're doing, if you're following what I'm saying. Like, you should never put yourself in a situation where you're in danger just because, oh, you know, they say they're going to change. They never really change. But, you know, I'm in a dangerous situation myself. No, you can believe for them, but you need to get to a safe place. You can love and still do what's best. But we continue to believe. I mean, we are in the life change business, and we know that God can change anyone's heart, right? Um, so, so you can say to someone, "I'm going to stick with you as long as you're continuing to work on this. You know, as long as you're continuing to move forward, I'm going to move forward with you." And so, our love for people has to be demonstrated in the way that we treat them and the way we act toward them. And if you look at these characteristics, remember, these aren't just characteristics of the way we love people, but they're characteristics of the way God loves us. These are all these are all the way God loves us. You know, he is patient, he is kind, he is uh he is forgiving, he is always there. He he doesn't keep a record of our wrongs, but he freely forgives. And our goal in life is to be more like Jesus. And, uh, and so, you know, we want to model those characteristics of love that he demonstrated to us, that he humbled himself, you know, on the cross, 
Uh, he took on the form as, at Christmas. We remember this. He took on. He came to us in humility, born in that uh, in that stable. You know, you look at the very guy who wrote this, Paul, and and the change that took place in his life. You know, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was all about legalism and following the law and. And he was all about this lack of love, but God changed him and God made him a more loving person. God can change anyone. And then in verse eight, we begin to see the permanence of love, how love lasts forever. And uh, so in verse eight, it says, love never fails. Everyone who prophesies will stop. Unknown languages will no longer be spoken. All that we know will be forgotten, even knowledge will be forgotten. We don't know everything, and our prophecies are not complete. But what is perfect will someday appear, and what isn't perfect will then disappear. When we were children, we thought and reasoned as children do, but when we grew up, we quit our childish ways. Now all we can see of God is like a cloudy picture in a mirror. Later, we'll see Him face to face. We don't know everything, but then we will, just as God completely understands us. So we see some some principles here. One, Love lasts forever. Love is the only thing that's going to last forever. Love is also, he says, is our greatest need. And he gives these pictures of love. He says, uh, the picture of a mirror, you know, and, and the mirrors at that time were polished metal, but sometimes they would get cloudy and uh, you couldn't see very clearly. He uses the picture of, a, uh, of maturity, of a child growing to be an adult. And so, you know, the picture of continuing to grow in love um, and grow to be more like Jesus, to continue to grow, to love God and love the people around us. And then finally, he closes with this, the greatness of love. In verse 13, he says, for now there are faith, hope, and love. But of these three, the greatest is love. Love is our greatest goal. It's the greatest goal of life. And that love comes from God. God's love empowers our love. And without love, it's all meaningless. It's all worth nothing. So let me kind of close with these questions for you that you could ask uh, in your own heart, in your own mind. Have you fully recognized the love of God for you? How much God loves you? See, Jesus expressed his love fully on the cross. And when you look to the cross, you see how much God really loves you right where you're at. And so I hope you'll receive his love today. But also the second question is, are you allowing God's love to flow through you? Not just trying harder to love, you know, because our love is limited, right? But we're going to allow God's love to freely flow through us that we receive his love. So we're able to love the people around us, the people that are hard to love, (laughs) the people who, um, you know, we, we wonder, why should I continue to love them? But uh, we know we can love them because God loves us. So I want to encourage you to do that today. And uh, I want to pray with us as we close this out. All right, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for your love for us. God, that you love us when we didn't deserve it, when we don't deserve it. But, but I pray, God, that you would help us to receive fully your love today and walk in that love, to be people who are your, um, 
your heart, to express your heart, who see others like you see them. Uh, help us to make love our highest goal in life. Help us to see that of everything that we have in life, there's nothing better than love, the love that comes from you, the love that is expressed in you, God, and you want us to express to the people around us. Give us hearts to love, that we could act on your love in the way we speak, in the way we interact with people today in our relationships. We thank you. We love you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, let's continue to spread the word uh, about about um, this study because we want people to join us. And uh, hope you have a great rest of the week. I look forward to seeing you really soon. Thank you for joining us for this week's Connect podcast. If you liked what you heard, then be sure to like, share, comment, subscribe, rate. We want to spread this good word to everybody we can who needs to hear this message. I hope you have a great week, and I look forward to you joining us next week for the Connect podcast.